The Secrets of Middle-Earth is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Middle-Earth, where we discuss the hidden themes and deeper layers found in the works of J.I.R.R. Tolkien, whether in his writings or in any of the media derived from them. I'm Jeff Hecker, and joining me today on the panel are Thomas Delano. Hi, Thomas. Hello there, Jeff. And Alex Murray, welcome back. Hi, Jeff. Good to see you. You as well. Be sure to follow The Secrets of Middle Earth in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or any podcast directory or app. And you can find us on social media at facebook.com slash Media or on Twitter slash X, where we are at SQPN. Or on Instagram, we are we were at StarQuest Network. And don't forget that you can get your own official Secrets of Middle Earth merch, including our awesome t-shirt at sqpn.com slash merch. It's a great way for you to support the show and show your love for Tolkien and his wonderful world of Middle Earth. Today, we are discussing the second installment of the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings trilogy, The Two Towers, since we just did Fellowship of the Ring. So I'll give a brief plot summary and we'll get into it. Frodo and Sam continue on their quest to destroy the One Ring. They encounter Gollum, who initially swears to obey Frodo and guide them to Mordor. They are found by Faramir of Gondor, who initially wants to take the ring as a weapon to Gondor, but overcomes the temptation to let them go, while Gollum plots to bring Frodo and Sam to the spider Shelob in order to get the ring. Meanwhile, Merry and Pippin are being taken to Isengard by Saruman's forces. They are tracked by Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas, and eventually reunite with the resurrected Gandalf the White, who brings them to the kingdom of Rohan. Saruman targets Rohan, whose people flee to Helm's Deep, and there they fight and defeat the army of Saruman, while Merry and Pippin meet the Ents, who in response to Saruman's cutting and burning a forest, retake Isengard. I tried to make that brief, but for a three to four hour movie, but uh, so hopefully <laughs> did, got everything, um, but... Yeah, I just wanted to open it up, and um, I know we've probably all seen these movies a number of times over the last 20-plus years, but just uh, wanted to get y'all's thoughts briefly on how do you like this one compared to Fellowship? Who's going to start off? (laughs) Yeah, no, go ahead, Alex. (laughs) Well, do you know what? In some ways, I always think, oh, maybe I don't like The Two Towers as much as The Fellowship. As soon as the opening credits start, I'm like, oh my gosh, I love this so much. And I would have to say, I, um, I like them equally. I mean, I love the trilogy. I see it as one whole. And actually this Christmas, as is our family tradition, we watched all three extended versions, um, over the Christmas holidays. And it was like watching just one long film. It was fantastic. So I, I love them both. Yeah, I have to agree with you, Alex, that um, for, for me, it's just one long nine, 10 hour movie. And, you know, and as a whole, I, I just love it to death. And th- this was the first one, though, that I saw in theaters, because I think I mentioned in our That's last right, recording yeah. that I missed seeing Fellowship when it was in theaters. So I saw this one, I, I believe my aunt took me to see it and my I think my brother as well. And yeah, so I have a lot of fun memories in the seeing this movie for the first time. I love how the beginning just 
connects to the previous movie by having the dream sequence flashback to uh, the Bridge of Casa Doom. And while I, I do have, I think, the most issues with um, this particular installment, I just feel like, yeah, that if when I'm looking at them as a whole trilogy, it it's not like I'm really going to fault this one, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I yeah, whenever I watch one of them, I feel like it's like when we did the fellowship uh, a while back, I was like, I had to immediately go and watch, keep watching the rest of them. And um, I, I, I have little kids right now, so I can't, it's hard to sit and watch a, watch one all in one run, all much less all of them. So hopefully one day I'll be able to do that. You, but, you mean you don't make them watch it with you? Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, they're, they're pretty little, so they would, I mean, they, they could be in there with me. But, excuse, Jeff. Well, like, they'd be in there with move. me, but then I wouldn't be watching it. I'd be, okay, fair they'd be talking at me or anything. And the orcs yeah. might be a little bit much for very That's small true. children. That's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. The battle but, scenes um, and that sort of thing. But yeah, no, I, I love them all. Um, yeah, as well. And, and I don't know, like, I'm, yeah, it's hard to rank them if I had to. Um, I mean, I think I think I like Fellowship a little bit more than Two Towers. Um, just I think I like having everybody together. And yes. Um, yeah. And Two Towers, like, yeah, I like yeah. I, I, I do. I really like it. Um, it's just, you know, some of the sometimes when I rewatch like the Frodo and Sam and Gollum parts, I'm like, ugh. It's just it feels like and, and it's kind of meant to convey that it takes a long time and you're like, yeah, they're yeah. getting nowhere. And, well, and you um, know what? I think there's a loss of innocence in the two towers. Yeah. Mm. You know, the the first one, you know, the, nobody, nobody had any idea of what was going to happen. You know, I mean, I mean, Gandalf didn't know he was going to fall into the abyss. I mean, even, you know, even some of these very seasoned, you know, Aragorn being a very seasoned ranger and and Boromir and and um, Legolas and, you know, they but even they were more innocent than they were in the Two Towers. They had definitely um, grown and, and they had they experienced a loss that they had never anticipated you know, with, 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 um, Gandalf dying. And so I think you have that, that sorrow and that, you know, when you, you know, when it's part of growing up, like something happens and it's, it, you know, it takes it out of you. And I think in the two towers, there is that sense of, of loss and, um, cynicism is not the right word, but a loss of innocence, I guess that's the best way yeah. I, would, I would say. Yeah. Because, I mean, in the in the books, it's whenever the fellowship is goes all their separate ways, they call it the breaking of the fellowship. And I mean, mm -hmm. I think that's the title of like the scene if you go into like the DVD, too. So, yeah, it's definitely there's yeah, you lose that innocence, you lose that kind of sense of hopefulness. And you're like in like Mar or Sam and Frodo are two little hobbits are going to try to bring the one ring into like the worst place <laughs> on, the, on Middle Earth. Um and then you have Mary and Mary and Sam. Uh, I'm sorry, Mary and Pippin. Um, you know, they're. I was going to do the, the legless YouTube video. Of they're taking the Hobbit Sizengard. They're taking the Hobbit Sizengard. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, no, yeah. So just, I thought I could. We could kind of highlight some of the um, new, some of the new characters that'll be some big players in the next uh, couple movies as well. But um, I think the first one we meet is Aemir, uh, mm. the the nephew of the King of Rohan. And, and this, I think this is probably the first time I saw Carl Urban in anything. Yes. 
And yeah, I've just had a huge man same. crush on him ever since. Um, <laughs> yeah. Did you yeah. like his Dr. McCoy? I did. <laughs> In the Kelvin yeah. universe? I yeah. did too. I did too. Yeah. 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 I thought yeah, he was he's, great as Dr. McCoy. Yeah. 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 Cause he's, he's immediately like, he's kind of on par with, you know, or kind of at the same level as Aragorn and like this kind of lordly guy who's, you know, a leader of men, even though he's more of a, military leader at this point than Aragorn is because um, mm-hmm. Aragorn, you know, in the books that, you know, Aragorn's leading more of the leads, the Rangers, but I, you don't really get as much of that sense in the films. Um, Wasn't Aomer like a prince? What do you yeah, consider a prince? Yeah. He, I, he would be the, cause his brother the nephew, was the sister yeah, his, son. Yeah. yeah. Theoden's brother was, you know, uh, uh, Theoden would have been the firstborn. So the, he would have been, his father would have been like the, you know, the, the prince of, um, yeah. Yeah, Amr's the, the third marshal. So he's like right. third in command after Theoden and his son Theodrid. And something this movie does that, dare I say it, improves a minor flaw in Tolkien's book, in my opinion, which is we never meet or see anything about Theodrid in the book. We're just told That's he died. True. And yeah. in the book, you could almost make Aomer Theoden's son and it would still work. Like, we're just told, oh, and Theoden's son died. And we don't see any of that. Whereas in the film version, Aomer finds uh, Theodrid at the fords of, of Aizen, brings him injured back to uh, Meduseld, the, where the, the king lives. And then we see him die overnight, probably poisoned by worm tongue. it's heavily implied. But uh, I thought that that sort of gave you a reason like and you and of course later they show the very moving scene of Theoden burying his son and he gets choked up and he says no parent should have to bury their child and it's and that scene is not in in the book and yeah. i thought it was very effective a very effective addition to the yeah. film and to flesh out the character of the character of Theoden absolutely yeah 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 because yeah. if, if Theoden had been Amor, or if Amor had been Theoden's son like they're because Amor was kicked out, was you know mm-hmm. cast out with um, by at you know Wormtongue's prompting. Um, so yeah, if he was his son, he probably wouldn't have that. Probably wouldn't have happened. So I think there had to be that little bit of a you know little bit of separation of family. Um, yeah, but I mean, a, in the movie, Theoden eventually he talks about a, he doesn't really talk about Amor as you know his he should have loved him as a son, but he talked about Aowen as um, you know a daughter. He should have loved her as a daughter, but yeah, we're talking about since we we kind of moved on to Theoden. Um, I mean, I love his portrayal and like the scene of um, Gim getting his uh, warm tongue and Saruman getting cast out and Theoden yeah. kind of the reclaiming exorcism. his exorcism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, just I love that scene and um, yeah, the, and I, and I love Theoden in this and in the next one. I don't know which kind of yeah. portrayal I like better, but. Um, he has some pretty, he has some pretty great, uh, scenes in both, but, um, yeah, I mean, he, he's almost like he's, he kind of waffles a little bit, at least in the film. So from mm-hmm. between like, he's hopeful we're going to, we're going to outlast this army to, oh no, we're, we're all going to die. We're doomed. And he kind of goes back and forth <laughs> throughout yeah. the movie. And, I th- and to be fair, the other characters do too, like Legolas yeah. kind of despairs. They do. And, yeah. And, yeah. Legolas kind of falls off Everyone the wagon a little bit but yeah. i have to say if i can say something about the uh the rohirrim mm, yeah. um out of all of the race of men they are my favorites i love the writers of rohan They're i mean great. the men of gondor and 
the Rangers, I just can't relate to, but for some reason, and it's not just because they love horses. I mean, that that's a bonus for me, but the way they were portrayed in the film, and I can remember reading about them before the film came out and how I had in my head, they would be like, that's what they were in the film. And I love that when that happens, it doesn't happen often, but they, there's a way that Tolkien describes their culture, you know, they're, they're not a literate culture. Um, so they, they have an oral history. Yeah. They write no books, he says. Yes. And their language is, um, I think he said it was like, it was a, a mixture of sorrow and joy or something. He described it beautifully. And I thought, and when I read that, I guess at the time my husband and I were dating and I was like, that sounds like the Scottish accent, you know, but that's, (laughs) and, and it does, it's still, I think it's a lovely description of like maybe a Scottish accent, but also the way they described the hobbits. Well, I guess the way the, the, the culture is, is portrayed in the film. It is very Scandinavian. It's very Anglo-Saxon. And when we lived in Norway, um, after the film had come out, we'd moved after, after the film. Uh, some of the way that the houses were built, I was like, oh my gosh, it's like my neighbor's house. <laughs> so it was a little bit took me out of Middle Earth in a way that I didn't want to be, you know. But Your neighbor's house is like a mead hall or something. Exa- well, just yeah. I say that I'm exaggerating. We were yeah. in we were right outside of Bergen. But if you like went out into the country and stuff, you could see some of the old farmhouses with the with the roof pitches that were crossed. Um, actually, I've seen some here as well. So it was a little bit. Um, uh, I don't, I was a little, I didn't like being taken out of Middle Earth and being plopped (laughs) into where I was, but now looking back on it and and watching it again, I actually become quite nostalgic for those years when we lived there and on top of it, my love for the Rohirrim. And in terms of the Rohirrim, Theoden is one of my favorite characters in the whole um, trilogy. He is, he is such um, he's a leader and he's so real in his leadership. When I was watching it last night, yes, I had to watch it again last night. You know, um, that was my excuse. (laughs) This was my excuse rather. And, you know, he woke up in a world that he did not ever anticipate. You know, what do you do? Like, this is not, he said that, that that these evil days should fall upon my house that I should live to see these evil days fall upon my house. But he didn't go crawl under a rock. You know, he struggled to try to get his bearings. And I think that's when he was getting wobbly, you know, getting wobbly. And and maybe, as you said, Jeff, maybe losing a little bit of hope. But I think it was just getting his bearings because, yeah, he was not supposed to bury his son. He wasn't supposed to have his people completely, you know, or have some massive army come and wipe out all of his people, that wasn't part of his plan or anybody's plan, you know? And he just worked with whatever he got. Like, okay, this is what I have. He got his bearings and then he, he worked with it. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I'm hoping in, yeah, great stuff on the, yeah, I think that they're the Rohirrim, the Ro- Rohan is kind of the closest we get to like the Vikings in, um, 
you know, at least in the in the in the the Lord of the Rings, um, with their they're just very yeah, like you said, they're they don't really have an or their oral history. They're um, and a lot of their buildings look very similar. Like if you mm-hmm. look at you know interpretations of like Viking architecture and um, and as we'll see in the next film, uh, like the Mead Hall and yeah, very Viking. Um, I love that they have a solemnity to kind of everything they do and say, both in the films and the books. And it just like going to the two towers of the book for just a second. There's a, a scene where, of course, Aomer and Gimli have this kind of friendly rivalry at first. Not so friendly because Aomer in Gimli's eyes insults Galadriel and like calls her a witch and stuff. And so Gimli, you know, when Aomer asks his pardon later, Gimli's like, if you ever have the chance to see the Lady Galadriel with your eyes, you shall acknowledge her the fairest of ladies, or our friendship will end. Yeah. And Aomer just goes, so be it. And I'm like, that's great. I love that. I love how solemn that was. It's yeah. just like- They're very stoic people, yes. just like the dwarves. I mean, I think they uh-huh. probably would get along very well. Yeah, they're very I- don't Tolkien it. says they don't like maybe oh, because yeah. they're too similar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> they yeah. kind of they rub each other the wrong way. That's, yeah, there are certain personalities that don't get along with the same personality, the same type. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so, and the other Ro- Rohanian Rohirrim character to mention, I think, is Aowen, and mm. um, you know, she's she's the shield maiden. She wants to, you know, she wants to do what the boys are doing, and she doesn't want to be just a, you know, a, a caretaker of, uh, you know, with the women and the children in the cave. She wants to be fighting, which she does get to do. So um, she gets there. But just watching this movie, I'm like, man, Eowyn, just her and Aragorn, like, and Aragorn's kind of flirting back with her. So he, he's kind of leading her on a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> See, I didn't think um, that, but OK. You know, I love the bit where he they discuss his age. <laughs> that was very funny. She like, and you her cannot cooking. be 80. Yeah. He's like 87. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's so funny. I, I, have to, I wonder, at least in the film, if. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, was no, say, ahead, I wonder if in the ahead. film, at least they kind of they kind of did that because um, at the time, Aragorn wasn't planning to in the film to go back and be, you know, get Arwen and be the king. He was just trying to, you know, do do his own thing and so he thought well Arwen's going to go to the undying land so here's a you know here's someone a, a human woman that um you know I may I could I could be with but um you know but he's still wearing Arwen the the even star jewel so like he's mm-hmm. he knows I think he, deep down he knows he's he's he and Arwen are going to going to live live together live happily um you know ever after but um, yeah, she was she was pretty cool in this. Um, I mean, she doesn't really like you really get to see her more come into her own and um, return to the king in the film. But I mean, she's already pretty fierce and like she's practicing with the sword in the hall and Aragorn kind of like is sparring with her a little bit. And she just has this look of serious like what you want. You want some of this like she's, <laughs> she's ready to go. Um, yeah. And, yeah. She's I have to say, well, I now, Thomas, I'm going to kind of join you in saying that I think the film improved on a character and that was Eowyn. Mm. Now I really loved Eowyn in the book, uh, in the books. However, um, in this film, the way she was fleshed out and the way they developed her personality, there are not that many, um, female characters in modern film that I relate to 
even remotely. Like they, I don't understand their motivations. I don't, I'm, well, I always tell my husband, he's so lucky because if I either, I will watch a, an action film, science fiction or fantasy. I don't want to watch any kind of like chick flick romantic stuff. Cause I don't get it. I don't understand that would never. Yeah. It's just a waste of time as far as I'm concerned. And Eowyn is a woman that I can respect mm. from beginning to end. You know, one of the things that I really loved about her character was she clearly was drawn to um, Aragorn. She cared for her uncle. Like she performed her duty yeah. and she did not act on her emotions. You know what I mean? She wasn't like, I don't know, you know, like getting all emotion and huffy and puffy, you know, and, and doing something that just makes no sense. And then somebody has to come and rescue her. I can't stand that. <laughs> you know, she's like, she wanted to fight and her uncle said, no, your duty is, is here. And so mm-hmm. she's like, okay, that's, and I'm like, okay, yeah, that's, that's what you're supposed to be doing. And, and, um, and at the part where she realized there really was no chance with Aragorn, she's like, okay, I have my dignity and I'm going to go and fulfill my duties in life. I'm not going to try to, I don't know, change his mind with, you know, whatever womanly wiles I have. No, she's like, okay, fine. I get it. I'm moving on. <laughs> so she was, she was an excellent character and, and wow. quite, um, well, we, well, I guess we're not talking about Return of the King, but I loved her in that. Absolutely loved her in that. You know, she, she loves her brother. She loves her uncle. She loves her cousin who passes away. She loves her people. Yeah. You yeah. Know, she is loyal to family and country. And I think that's what's, you know, very, you know, she's not a character mode. I think some people get Eowyn wrong. They think that she's motivated by some sort of selfish, you know, quest for glory. No. When she really just wants to to do what's she she wants to protect her family and her people. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end, and of course now talk about skipping far ahead, but you know, I think the decisions she makes are very consistent and they make sense, Mm -hmm. you know, um, in their world. And she's just, I, I absolutely love her. She's one of my most favorite characters ever, um, on screen and in a book. Yeah. And she, yeah. So she, she listens in this one and the next one she doesn't, but then it turns out that's what needed to happen to. Yeah. <laughs> so exactly. we, can, we can talk about that when we, when we get yeah. to that one, but um, yeah. And so the, kind of the other character I thought to highlight that we haven't really, I mean, we haven't really talked about before we've golems obviously in here, but we did a whole episode on golems. So um, <laughs> I, I, maybe if we have some time, we can do discuss him. But I, the other one I was going to bring up was Faramir. Who's the, ah, the, the captain yes. of Gondor who encounters um, Frodo and Sam. And, um, and, and one thing I found was, I thought was interesting and, and it's been a long time since I've not watched the extended editions. I only watched those, but I didn't realize that the whole flashback with Boromir was not in the uh, theatrical. Uh, yeah. Cause you see that kind of gives context to it does and it yeah, kind of gives yeah it kind of gives you more you know redeems boromir a little bit like you you can oh, see yeah. that he was like yeah. he was a good guy once and he just had this temptation this failing and but. that boromir knew his dad was overbearing 
Yeah. And that like, you know, when 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 he's celebrating with Faramir and they're drinking and celebrating with the men and then Denethor comes along, mm-hmm. you see Boromir just go like, oh, no, why do you yeah. have to come and it ruin makes this? You, you know, like yeah. Denethor even more. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine like he probably put so many expectations on Boromir and was constantly like, yeah, you know, he's so weird. And then, yeah. And I've speculated that maybe, you know, this is not based on anything, but maybe far, maybe Denethor kind of dogs on Faramir because he looks like his mom um, who Who died soon after childbirth. So maybe it's like he he kind of sees sees him as the reason that that she died and, um, you know, and reminds him of him every day. But anyway, that's yeah. just my that's just my my personal speculation. But no, I don't think that's that you're far off the mark. I, I certainly couldn't cite it for you now, but I seem to remember reading something like that. Okay, that was there was something about he, he blamed Faramir for you know his wife's death or something, and, and um, his, Faramir's temperament was more like hers. Yes, yeah. it was. And so she definitely reminds him, you know, like, and it's just like, and I and because I, I think deep down he blames himself. Yeah, because he because if you read in the appendices, he brought, you know, she was she was from the seacoast. She did not want to be in that city close to Mordor, you know, and he. And she kind of just wasted away, it's described. And it's like, and just her her innate kind of depressive streak, you know, got worse. And it's just, I think deep down, Denethor blames himself, but he's externalizing it. To deal with that, he's externalizing it onto his son. Yeah. And it's just tragic all around. And of course, he's dealing with, and again, this comes out in, in uh, Return of the King, we don't know what the Palantir has been doing to his mind. Mm. How many years has he been staring into that thing? You know, it could have been their entire lives of the two sons. And that's going to. Um, Did Denethor you know. have one in the film? I thought it, it was the I thought in the I film it was the one that they brought from. They, they brought it from Isengard. Oh, in the book, I mean, he yeah. may have, but I don't think in the film. Yeah, in the he book, had he has that, had That's one of the, the changes that I never understood. I, maybe because they thought that by having more than one Palantir, it would confuse people. But the yeah, he he just says that, like, he knows that that Sauron's going to beat them in the end. And he doesn't say how. Yeah. So that yeah. maybe you could just imply that Implied, he had a yeah. Palantir. Yeah. 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 But at least for, for, for this one, you know, that, that was just an added scene that we were discussing, but Faramir, um, is just a great addition. Um, the actor, um, who's not been in too much, um, you know, where I saw him was like Sean Bean and let me guess. He was in the guy who played Faramir was in Van Helsing. He was. was Oh yeah. He was. He played the the friar. Yeah. Yeah. And he was also, (laughs) he was also an iron fist. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. The, yeah. But yeah. That's and, the only reason one. I watched that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and of course, yeah, he's in I loved 300. him in this and he's. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was in 300. But yeah, in this he and they added some stuff with him, like having more of a temptation with the ring and like mm-hmm. kind of because I think in the book, it's not uh he, he kind of doesn't really try to take the ring or or he doesn't really want to bring it to gondor he kind of accepts nope. yeah frodo and sam's you know what they're doing is important but in this you kind of get that you know he's he thinks he's going to take it and redeem himself and 
um, you know, honor his brother. And then Sam has to call him out and say, this is why your brother died. This is, mm. and then I know Faramir that... ultimately makes the right choice and lets them, lets yeah, them go. He, he ultimately does make the right choice. And I think that's what some critics of the film don't see is that in the end he's, he's tempted, but he makes the right choice. Whereas I, I understand why people, they, they think the film is tearing Faramir down. And a, a friend of mine, a, a philosophy uh, professor named uh, a- Andrew Snyder, recently wrote on his Substack a whole article called "Why uh, Why Peter Jackson Did Not Fix Quote Unquote Faramir," because some people believe that the films fix him by making him more human. And hmm. I, I see, I, I yeah, I understand that. Like I. I I do like the book version of Faramir better because one, it's Tolkien's original vision of the character. And that two, I understand that Tolkien was trying to make him the archetype of Arthurian chivalry. But yeah. I, I still don't think the movie quote unquote ruins Faramir like some people suggest. I think it just makes him a more complex character. That's all. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I, how do I say it? He's not, I, out of the two brothers, I actually like Boromir because Boromir is a little more manly. I don't know, but <laughs> that's just a personality thing. Tolkien points that out that in the books, he says people judge Faramir as less masculine than Boromir because he likes to read and he likes music whereas yeah, Boromir is yeah. just like beer and I, know, I, know. <laughs> I don't know if it's just I don't know if it's because you know you have Sean Bean mm-hmm. and and he's just this iconic man's man kind of actor and then I didn't know who this other guy was mm-hmm. when when the films first came out and he was like the little brother he was obviously um he definitely played second fiddle to his brother. Mm-hmm. But in the book, of course, he fought, his motivations were totally different. And so it would make yep. sense that he wouldn't want the ring. He would immediately see the danger in, in taking the ring. Whereas Boromir was not like a, a cultured man. I mean, he came from a very high culture, but he wasn't necessarily someone who was he was there to preserve everything like on a bigger scale. Whereas I think it even says in, in the fellowship of, uh, sorry, the two towers that um, Faramir fought because he loved the culture that he came from. Right. If he didn't have to fight, he wouldn't, he'd be doing something else. Mm. Whereas Boromir would be fighting. That's right. Boromir wants to do. That's, that's his way. You know, like he, he he I don't want to say he fights for the sake of it, but he, you know, he would be bored stiff if yeah. Boromir would if he wasn't doing mar- deeds of martial valor, whereas yes, Faramir exactly. only does those things because they're necessary at this yeah. point in yeah. time. Yeah, but he would much rather. In fact, I think in it might have been in the Two Towers, it says that when he was a young boy and Gandalf had mm-hmm. visited um, Gondor, he actually hung out with Gandalf. Yes. Yeah. He learned things from him. He's definitely, yeah. and Tolkien has said this, that he put a lot of his own personality into Faramir. Mm. And then he's definitely that character who, like Tolkien himself, was swept up into a war he didn't really want to be a part of. 
you know, yeah. he was in the Great War, and he's this this literary sensitive man forced yeah. to do ugly martial things, you know, made ugly, especially in the the Great War because of its mechanization and you know and the total war aspect. Where he saw, yeah, to use a Tolkienian phrase, he saw the deeds like shorn of their renown. He didn't see anything like praiseworthy in what was going on, and, and like, yeah. And and Faramir is definitely that person who fights because he has to, but, you know, just wants to be doing, he just wants to be living in peace. And he'd rather know, be doing yeah. something else. Else. Yeah. yeah. yeah like Tolkien himself at that time. Yeah. 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 And especially because I've been reading through Tolkien's letters and at at the time he was writing um, the Faramir scenes, it was, I think, 1944. And his son, Christopher, had been deployed with the Royal Air Force to South Africa. And he's writing all these letters to Christopher saying, I hate this war. I hate Mm. it. I hate that you've been swept up in it. I hate that we're 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 using strategies that we should not against these people. I, I wish we would just fight for England instead of fighting to get back at people. And he's he's bearing his soul to his son about yeah, how yeah. the the world war two is breaking his heart and yeah because you you're supposed to be the great war right the, the war, war to end, to end all wars, wars right <laughs> yeah and then and you can see the yeah. fact that it's happened again in his lifetime and has sucked up and 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 his son michael was was injured and is in the hospital and he's and he's just like you know why is this happening again to us yeah. and you can see that he poured all of that into faramir yeah, and just to go back to the film for a second, like I, I like how he's kind of the leader of Rangers. Cause I, I can't remember mm-hmm. in the book they're kind of called That's Rangers, right. but they they Rangers, kind of are. Yeah. yeah, so it's kind of like you get to see what those are like in the films. Because the only Ranger we've seen up to this point has been Aragorn. We didn't haven't really seen any of the other Dunedain, and and we don't mm-hmm. really. Um, so you kind of get a sense of what the Rangers are. They're like they're these these hooded figures you know, running around with, uh, you know, keeping kind of the borders safe and, uh, guerrilla warfare. Yeah. yeah. Very capable, yeah. very capable fighters. As yeah. Well. Yeah. And, and so that just, and just the, their little hideout was just a beautiful, like, just, I mean, it looks like the whole movie looks great, but like the waterfall and, and I'm one, one thing I'm kind of bummed they cut is, is they didn't really have the window to the West, which is oh, one of my yeah. favorite things in the book, um, where you kind of get, the sense of the religion of Gondor of that, mm-hmm. you know, they, that's right. Yeah. There's not much of a religion, but they, they, you know, they, they know where they came from and they kind of honor, they were from, you know, from Numenor before. And, um, but yeah. So unless anyone has anything else to say on Faramir, I didn't, I was kind of just going to, um, highlight a couple of things that on, and kind of, we can talk about it is, and this film was more, um, action heavy in a lot of ways, like, and Helm's deep was in the book is like 20 pages. It's, it's just a single chapter in this. It's like, I always think of it being half the movie, like the actual battle, Mm -hmm. but it's really like, I guess a quarter to a third of the movie, but just, but yeah, I love the, I love the whole setup. My favorite action scene in the trilogy. That's my favorite battle is Helm's deep. Really interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know if I, I mean, it's hard to compare because I love them. I love this one and I love, uh, the Pelennor fields. But, I just yeah, like how is... I like 
I like the look of Sar one. I, I, I like I like the last stand aspect that it's like it's like the Spartans at Thermopylae, basically. <laughs> and they, they, I think they even say like in in the book, it says there's a thousand men there. But I think they even say in the movie, we have 300 men. Yeah, 300. or something. So they they definitely were trying to get you thinking of the 300 Spartans. And then also you just have I like how in terms of a bad guy army how regimented and same the 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 Urukai of Isengard are. They all have yeah. the same armor, whereas like Mordor's forces are always more kind of, they look, their gear looks very slapdash. Like Sauron doesn't really care about outfitting them with the best gear because he, he knows they're expendable. Whereas Saruman doesn't have, he only has 10,000 of these guys. So he gives them the, only 10,000 like Mordor has millions of orcs but he only has 10,000 and so he outfits them with the best armor possible and they they carry those banners I just think they're the his army is very intimidating and of of, of course I, I love their theme they're, they're the, the Urukai marching music you know dun 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 you know I always when I'm listening to the soundtrack I always I find myself tapping my foot at those Oh my goodness! I was like, and I love I love the Rohirrim music. Ah, oh, the that minute too, that, yeah, and it's got uh, that sort of Celtic, but also very Norse. You know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very it's, it's a very lonely mm-hmm. voice out in the yeah. in you know in the plains of of um, of Rohirrim, and it, and I guess again why I get, you know I get nostalgic. Uh, it's strange when I lived in Norway. Um, it's a very lonely country. Hmm. There aren't a lot of people and everyone's spread, spread apart. And we lived halfway up a mountain, um, looking out on three fjords. And sometimes the only English I would hear was, uh, my two small children during the week <laughs> because my husband traveled so much. And so I, um, I spent a lot of very lonely days and it's interesting how, you get used to that and hearing that music and seeing them kind of in the middle, you know, Meduseld is just in the middle of this grassy plain, right? There's mm-hmm. nothing around them. There's not, I mean, and that's their city. Yeah. You know, this palisade <laughs> with some houses in it. Exactly. And a, a exactly. At the top. Yeah. And then, you know, in the West fold, that was just like, it looked like a small village someplace. So it was that loneliness that I definitely, I want and I say loneliness, I don't mean it in a negative way. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it might be difficult if you're someone who can't stay in their own company. I think there are a lot and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we are human animals, but I just happen to be one of these people. I can definitely stay in my own company, probably for longer than I should, but, um, but looking out on that, yes, it was solitude, I do rem- yeah. solitude and I do yeah. remember, I do remember going out, um, you know, in various veeks and, and just on the edge of fjords and not hearing anything but um, sea eagles and having, mm. you know, my children with me. And I do miss those days, you know, and, and so looking at that, I really found myself homesick for yeah. uh, Norway, parts of Norway, not all of Norway. <laughs> I love the um, that th- we kind of get to see the beginnings of the of Legolas can do anything in this yes. battle which, which, yeah and and like when he he skateboards down the steps on the shield and yeah. takes guys out like and which of course reaches its insane apotheosis in the hobbit movies when 
Mario jumps up the bit, falling yes. rocks and <laughs> that's and, true. and that's flies true. on the, the the bat and whatnot. But like, but yeah, but the 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 funny like you know Legolas can do anything sort of thing starts here, yeah. and of course the game he plays with Gimli. And Which all from that's the in the books. book. Yeah. I mean, yeah, even him, yeah. even him, you know, sliding down the stairs on the yep. on the shield. I mean, it looks like some Hollywood trope, but actually, that's in the book. I like too when the, when the, the the siege ladders come up, and yeah. everyone's like ladders, and Gimli's like, "Good, you know, because yeah. now we now I can fight these people." You know, exactly. Like, and how? Um, and of course, we uh, lest we forget the the elves of Lothlorien yeah. who show up to yes. aid the men, which is an addition, yeah. but I think it's really great because it's kind yes. of harkening back to the last alliance of elves and men that they're, they're loyal to the alliance, yeah. you know, and can we just you get talk the, a little bit about that? Yeah. I just, yeah. That's one thing I was going to bring up is that, um, like that, I know it's not in the book, but I love that scene. Yep. Yeah. Cause I like everybody too. they're on their own. They, they think nobody's coming to help them and, They've even I, th- I think at that point they had, had said, where was Gondor when the Westfold fell? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, he, they had no allies that they knew of. And then all of a sudden you hear and this is after kind of Legolas had kind of been despairing. And Aragorn said, I will die as one of them, probably freaking out all the men in that room. thing to say right. in, in the language that everyone could understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, why don't you just. <laughs> but then you hear the horn and they're like, that's no orc horn. And they go. And they're yeah. running out and you see the elves marching and Theoden is just, I mean, everyone there is kind of awestruck of like, cause Theoden may not have ever seen an yeah. elf except for Legolas. And all of a sudden here's this army and, um, and they're like, how is this possible? And cause I love it. Yeah. It's echoing back to the last Alliance and the, um, you know, we've come to honor that allegiance and yep. yeah. And just, yeah. yeah, I love that. I love that so much. And I hope that's something in rings of power. We kind of get to, we get to see that, the last alliance kind of takes shape um in the in the show but um and then yeah unfortunately poor i i mean it seems like all the elves die there unfortunately yeah i don't know how to be yeah Haldir, and, yeah and you don't really see any of any of them left in after the battle or the or in the uh in return of the king so i'm i'm kind of thinking they all yeah i'm, tr- I'm trying to think know. i don't know if they were in the big in the great hall I mean, I know I Legolas yeah, I don't was think there, they were. But, yeah, yeah but, I think they've gone to the halls of Mandos at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the things I that struck me about the film and this whole thing was how negative Elrond was. I think. Oh yeah. This this uh, in this film, you had a lot of people wavering between despair and hope. Everybody, you know, Legolas, and except for Aragorn, but I think. Um, he was given something, perhaps grace from um, Eowyn, you know, when he fell off the cliff and, and his oh, the suddenly his horse death. like makes it down the cliff yeah. and finds him, whatever. But the fake out death. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, but well, Brago, it, the, it was, yeah, it was, it was his, uh, Theodred's horse that found him. Yeah. Oh yeah. Brago. Right. Brago. Horse. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but Elrond, so I'm going to say maybe Eowyn passed on some grace to um Aragorn so that Arwen. he or, sorry you mean Arwen Arwen sorry yes <laughs> um, <very> I know <laughs> I know like that's not confusing and I was like did Eowyn do something like does she have grace to give no so I think that you know when she was like he was sleeping and you know had this dream and um but when Elrond came in he was like so negative mm. about everything and he even said to her 
he kind of echoed what Saur- um, Sauron said to Frodo in the first time Frodo put on the ring. You, there's nothing in the void, only death. And Elrond said, there's nothing here for you, only death. He's like echoing Mm. Sauron. Wow, I never noticed that before. Yeah, and I'm like, why are you so down on this? I guess he was maybe being hyperbolic just to get her to leave. I don't know. Um, They didn't have their their mithril yet from... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the healing myth, really. Oh. That's it. That's it. Oh my Sorry, gosh! I had, to, I had to go there. Um, oh gosh! And one one cool thing about that scene that I noticed on this watch because we're also for this podcast we're also reading the Silmarillion and, and recording on that. Arwen name drops the Valar in this, and I think it's the only time they mm. mention that word in the films. Um, we hear Morgoth. We hear that name in. Uh, fellowship but it doesn't really we don't really get anything on who morgoth is and really his for his name was melkor um before he was morgoth so i just thought that was a cool like name drop of the valar because you're if you've never read the silmarillion you you don't know what that is but yeah yeah um, oh, wow. have, i like, think i missed oh, that i need you know to go back is? do you mean i need to watch this again oh no <laughs> yeah it's when he's it's when he's like in the water and he's she says something like you know may the you know, may the grace of the Valar be with you or, or I, I didn't write down the quote, but that's it. So there was some kind of grace that she gave mm-hmm. him and he didn't lose hope because everybody, everybody at some point was wavering in their hope. Yeah. And yeah. And ultimately, I mean, there's, and so, you know, in the, in the battle, it seems like, it seems like all is lost. They've had to retreat back to the the keep and uh, Alex, I think you had something on Theoden here. Yes. So my favorite, favorite character, and he just makes the best speeches. Does he not? He does. I, I yeah. mean, he just, <clears throat> and so in the, in the film, I have to bring this up close so I can see it. He, he says, uh, as he's getting, as, um, oh gosh, gambling is putting his armor on him and they just think, all is lost. And uh, Theoden says, where now the horse and rider? Where is the horn that was blowing? Where is the helm and the halberd and the bright hair flowing? Where's the hand on the harp string and the red fire glowing? This is a bit longer than it was in um, the film. They just do a little bit of, of his, uh, his quote, but, um, years ago I was reading, I used to read, I, bore my children with Anglo-Saxon poems and things like that. And there is a poem called The Wanderer. And it is about, it's definitely worth reading. It's written by Anonymous. And, you know, Anonymous has written some pretty amazing poems (laughs) in his lifetime. Um, But it's it's an Anglo-Saxon, kind of a long poem. And it's about um, a warrior talking about how he feels lost because his chief has died and he just, or his Lord has died and he doesn't have any, any place to go. Um, but in the end he resolves like he'll follow Christ. So that's, that's the gist of this poem. But in the middle of the poem of this, uh, Anglo-Saxon poem, it is, where has the horse gone? Where are my kindred? Where is the giver of treasure? Where are the benches to bear us? Joys of the hall to bring us together. No more the bright goblet, all gone, the mailed warrior. Lost for good, the pride of princes. How the space of years has spread, growing gloomy beneath the night helm. 
as if it never was. So I wow. think that was a little bit of an inspiration. <laughs> well, I just looked up the, I just Googled this poem and for what it's worth on the Wikipedia page, it does say that Tolkien intentionally adapted it. Okay. So there you the go. The Lament well, of the Rohirrim. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So he definitely, so that's, again, we are supposed to think about the Anglo-Saxons and, mm -hmm. and the Scandinavians and that sort of thing. And there is like a little bit of a sorrowful note, I think, in those cultures. I think it's because of the winters that, that, <laughs> that they experience, you know, you have yeah. this stoic, um, approach to life, but he's just, uh, I think Theoden is is such a remarkable character. All of the Rohirrim are, quite frankly, except for Wormtongue. We haven't <laughs> talked about him. Yeah, that's right. Grima Wormtongue. Grima Wormtongue. And do you know what? I was who thinking... In the, who in the end kind of does redeems himself too, so... In, in a backwards way, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. somebody. Well, the thing is, I was as I was watching it yesterday, and then that actor, Brad... What is his name? He is so good at playing weird characters. He's, of course, um, a th uh, not Thuffer. Oh, gosh. The Mentat in Dune, the 1980s yeah. Dune. Oh, in the original one. Okay. Yeah. And he was um, Peter DeVries. And he also oh, played. Oh, Okay. And he played like a, um, a psychotic Beta Zed in Voyager. So he yes. kind of does these really quirky, interesting characters. He does such an excellent job as Wormtongue. He, to me, looks like one of the, I think it's called a blue-tongued gecko or blue-tongued lizard. <laughs> he did, yeah. That's what he looked like. Yeah. The way they did his makeup and, and everything. I, wasn't his tongue, like, actually, like, blue? It, like, it was, like, was something. Or, they yeah, did it was something. something up with his tongue. Yeah. And it just, he looked very reptilian. Yeah. 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 Well, just, they put, they had black, he had black hair, like, white skin, like yeah, yellow teeth, was, you know. It was almost like like Gollum in a, in that way. He like was, he was, yeah. and it occurs to me, it's like he didn't even look like a Rohirrim, so he wasn't even interested in being a part of his culture. He had le mm -hmm. he clearly had left them a long time ago. So he was he was clean shaven. Um, if they were typically golden haired, he was probably dying his hair. Dark. Or he had Dunlandish blood. Like some yes, that did. could have yeah. been a possibility. But even I was looking at his outfit. I'm like, what is that black lace thing you've got going oh, on under huh. that that fur? So he, there was he had completely cut himself off of uh, off from his people to where he wasn't even he didn't even look like them anymore. And um, I just love when uh, after. Theoden is is cured of this curse that had, and I they never say how long he'd been under that curse but obviously for a while yeah. and he kind of grabs his sword and then he just pauses and it, like it comes into his mind about Wormtongue and he just looks at him <laughs> the next thing you know Wormtongue goes flying out the door yeah. of, of the great hall <laughs> yeah yeah and and I think Bernard Hill did such a great job as Theo did, you know, mm -hmm. and he just looked like this yeah. old warrior king. And, um, you know, so, but I think one of the things that I think the actor, Brad, I, I can't remember his last name. It's I think it's German Durif, name. maybe. Durif Brad or something. Durif. Yeah. When he was like 
Oh, what, you know, when he was talking to Saruman, Saruman is like putting the bomb together and, you know, he's hanging over it with a candle. Um, and uh, he asks Saruman, like, how's your, how are you going to defeat Helm's, Helm's Deep? Nobody's ever done that. And, you know, and he goes with my army and he goes, my Lord, there is no such army. And then they go out and then there are all these people. You hear what the orcs are saying? Sharku. Black speech for old man. Oh, which of course yes. becomes Sharky. Yes, later. Very again. I'm gonna have to watch this again. I didn't realize I'd yes. so the orcs so are chanting. Sharku. Uh, that's yeah. so I thought cool. they were saying just like Sauron, but no, nope. I like yeah. that better. Sarku, but, that's so cool. But yeah, yeah. But I think that's the only time when you see Worm Tongue. Worm Worm Tongue looks like he's regretted what he's done. You know, he's just got a little tear in his eye. Yeah, like he realizes mm-hmm. what he's done. And can I point something else out mm-hmm. again? This is like Alex's big promo of Theoden. <laughs> I just love him so much. So in the film, when he said, we are all heading to Helm's Deep, that's where we're going. And they're like, you've got to fight. You've got to do this. And he's like, no, everyone's going to Helm's Deep. If he had not taken his people to Helm's Deep with that army that was coming, they would have been wiped out. They would have been yeah, utterly true. wiped out. And yeah. And I mean, even at the end, at the end, in the just to get to the last last part of Helm's Deep, when Theoden's, like you said, he, he's pretty much given up hope and Aragorn kind of gives him a, like, let's ride out one last time. And, yeah. they, you know, and they may, and then Aragorn remembers on the Gandalf's on the light of the fifth day, look to the east. East. And, yeah. you, you know, and they charge down in our, you know, knocking the knocking the works off the bridge, and then all of a sudden you see Gandalf on the on the crest, and, and he says, "Theoden and King stands alone." And then Amir Amr, who got kicked out, pops up, and like almost have a tear in my eye thinking about it. Like, no, and then the Rohirrim all yeah. charge and charge the Urukai, and oh, I get chills whenever that the, when Theoden says, uh, uh, "The horn of Helm Hammerhand shall yeah. sound in the deep." deep. One last time, I always yes. I get bottom yeah. bodily chills. Oh, of course, totally. gets to go go climb it up, climb up the thing. And I know. Blow the horn, you know what? The horn. That's just like so. I mean, I'm not a man, but that to me is like so. That's like all man stuff. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. I would be like, like maybe this is why I like um Eowyn because yeah, I'd probably have a have my um my uh helmet on or something i just think that's so cool like yeah and they're like ride now right right now. now yeah ah oh, it's, it's oh, so the, exciting we haven't even touched on mary and pippin in the end yeah was, we have yeah. not oh yeah. yeah yeah we're gonna have to talk a little bit about them yeah i i w- yeah, and- i was kind of disappointed with how like and i know they did it for dramatic reasons whereas first the end's like oh we aren't gonna do anything about it and yeah. like how they they spend like like forever trying to figure out whether Mary and Pippin are orcs or not, whereas in the book that's resolved very quickly. And it's like, it is, it yeah. is, and but, it's well, and, and also, no quick beam. I would have liked to have seen quick yes. beam. Yeah, well, yeah, to have him kind of with them when they were you know, drinking the the ant drops. The ant drops. And, yeah. yeah, but I think um, one of the things. Yes, I I love the ants. Mm-hmm. And what they do in Isengard, I think, is excellent. That that whole scene, but yeah, how Mary 
well, sorry, Pippin, when he, um, he really matured very quickly mm-hmm. under the captivity of the orcs. You know, there was a lot where he, <clears throat> a lot could happen. And Pippin just kind of is, he remains Pippin, you know, messing around, even though, oh, you know, my messing around caused the Balrog to, to come and in yeah. Moria, he still kind of had that part of his personality. Um, it started to wear away, I think, under the captivity of the orcs. And then when, when Mary said, there won't be a Shire, you know, when, when, when at first, when the ants decided, well, we're not going to go. And he, and Pippin goes, well, we can just go back to the Shire. And, and Mary's like, no. So Mary has always been a little more worldly wise Mm -hmm. than Pippin, but Pippin is getting there. And when he said to Treebeard, let's go south because the closer we are to danger, the further we are from harm. And he's like, that makes no sense to me, but you are very small. And so <laughs> when they get to Isengard and, and um, Treebeard sees, I guess, the desecration of the forests and he gets upset, then he decides to fight. But then suddenly all of these ants are with them. I'm like, what? Yeah. Where did they come from? Were they just like, is everybody walking together to take Pippin <laughs> and, and Mary to the Shire? You know, that was a bit of a, I don't know. That should have been resolved, I think, a bit. It just didn't make sense. But I went yeah. with it because I, I read the book and, and, um, and that battle was really amazing. I will say this about Fangorn Forest. Mm-hmm. I kind of wanted it to be weirder. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, in the book, how remember how when the three hunters were sitting under the, they had made a fire one night. Oh, yeah. And the tree leaned down and it opened up its dry leaves and the leaves looked like human hands. I just wanted it to look like that. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't really, it was just a forest. I mean, and they had some moaning and groaning, but it wasn't um, that strange. I, w- I just right. wished that it had been stranger than it and was. You get stuff like, what do trees have to talk about? <laughs> yeah, the consistency, the consistency of, of squirrel droppings. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, there's not a lot. And what I think is so funny, if you read anything about um, mycology or, or plant life, they really are talking to each other. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, they uh, are. The, the, uh, the fungal kind of exactly and they probably are talking about the consistency of squirrel droppings but you know (laughs) so so tolkien was way ahead of his time um but uh i think you know i I guess we really haven't talked about the ants or tree beard and and all of that a lot happened in this film a lot goes on a lot was going on whereas i think the fellowship was more linear this had all kinds of things happening because everybody was split up, as you said earlier. Right. You know, everybody was having a particular experience. And um, and we haven't even really talked much about Frodo and Sam and Gollum and Passage of the Marshes. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's so crowded with things. They decided to to cut the final chapters of the book, the, the yeah. going through. Uh, Kirith Ungal and the attack by Shelob 
and put those in the third movie as if that movie wasn't overcrowded enough with stuff. That's true. But it did. Do you know what? But that's a great opening. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was a great opening. And then they even kind of split them up again. And but I I think, um, gosh, I'm trying to think of some other things. Well, I guess we did touch on on with I think the least interesting part. Well, I won't say least interesting. I only say it because it was the most depressing was everything that was happening with Frodo, Sam and Gollum. Yeah. Yeah. That's why sometimes when I watch like I just watch the Helm seat part and I watch the Mary and Pippin part and I kind of will skip over some of the, the Frodo and Sam. Skip over the sad stuff. Gollum's like talking to himself that one scene where they, now now there's that meme where he goes like, you know, you don't have any friends. (laughs) Nobody (laughs) likes you. Exactly. I I say that to my dog sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody likes you. (laughs) But, uh, one of the things about if we could just touch on with with the Frodo um, Sam and, and Gollum uh, experience, I I think one of the difficult things to see was how the toll the ring was taking on on Frodo. Yeah, that's depressing. And and I was I wrote down as I was watching this. I don't think Gollum is. I think if you have somebody who's struggling with some kind of addiction, that character is not someone to look, I guess, unless it's like a cautionary tale, but he is not a character of hope. You know, the number of times that he tried, he tried really hard to break away from the ring and he couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. That was depressing. And then Frodo being pulled in by the ring, being slowly taken over himself, And I would say I wrote down that it was only because he was an exceptionally virtuous character that he was able to make it as far as he did. And of course, Sam was as well. But I think Frodo was even more virtuous than Bilbo. I don't think Bilbo was a particularly virtuous character. (laughs) He lied. He was stealing. You know, he wasn't. He he put the ring on. He was a burglar. I I like Bilbo, but yeah, he's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't like, oh, I want you to be like Bilbo. No, I mean, but Frodo, you could go. Yes, Frodo mm-hmm. is Frodo is a very strong character. And um, in terms of his virtues, as is right. Sam. And it took the two of them together to get that ring to Mount Doom. Well, and if you ask if you ask our one of our previous uh, panelists, Thomas Sanherho, about it, Gollum is the ultimate hero because I know. They Did couldn't I tell <laughs> Because Frodo wouldn't have, because Frodo wasn't going to throw the ring in, like, and I think it's kind of implied that no, that no mortal, you know, or not e- or even a mortal, yeah. like no, no, no creature could do it. Even you know someone like it Gandalf had to be Eru Iluvatar who kind of yeah like, had to be the the world of like you could see him just ting his <laughs> finger, yeah. But I, you know, it's funny. I when I went to the lecture at the oratory in Birmingham, uh, I did pose uh, Thomas's theory that Gollum was the hero because he destroyed the ring and needless to say this oratorian was not impressed (laughs) (laughs) we'll have to tell Thomas about that he said only because it has it would only have been virtuous if the motivation behind destroying Mm -hmm. the ring was a virtuous motivation and it wasn't it was just Eru Luvatar thumped him into the into Mount Doom Mm. And um, and he was there at the right place or wrong place, as, as however you want to see it. But um, but I think what else did I have here? 
Well, and I was, yeah, and I, I wrote that I think Eru Iluvatar had a hand in choosing the ring bearer. Which, oh, yeah. Which Gandalf refers yep. to uh, when he's sitting in the mines of Moria. So mm-hmm. I think watching and the, the way it ended, it just kind of left you hanging this movie, wouldn't yes. you say? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially in this, when you were in the cinema and you knew you had to wait at least another year to find out what was going to happen. Yeah. And so it was, it kind of ended on a little bit of, of a down note. The song is so depressing that it ends. If, if you listen to yeah. the lyrics, it's called Gollum's song. Well, there you go. So, and it's all about how, like, you know, I tried, but. This is I what just, I'm saying. Like, if you're struggling yeah. with something, mm-hmm. you should not be looking at Gollum. <laughs> unless, it, unless it's a cautionary tale. And also. The only person who ever showed any kind of kindness to Gollum was Frodo. Mm-hmm. Bilbo showed pity, as did the elves. And, you know, well, I would say now I'm getting into the book as well, but the only person who ever showed kindness to him was uh, was Frodo. And And I think, I don't know if it was in the book or maybe it was somebody else had posed this question about if Sam had been kinder to Gollum, maybe Gollum would have been able to find the strength between these two virtuous characters to, to not, not become virtuous himself, but, but to be less vicious. And, and, but he never had that opportunity because as Frodo said, Sam was always running him down and calling him names. So that's a cautionary tale. In the book, that's made even more explicit where in the I think it's it's in the Two Towers book where, you know, Gollum is on the on knife's edge of maybe Mm. turning over a new leaf and Sam calls him a sneak. Yes. Yeah. And then and then from that point on, Gollum is just working to betray them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's really sad. It is. It's, I mean, Gollum yeah. is, I know you've already done an episode on him. I think he's not my favorite character, but he is, um, he's a fascinating and complex character. And the mm-hmm. fact that he's been written in, he's such a difficult character and that Tolkien has written him so well that he just stays with you. Yeah. You know, you think, gosh, what would I have done with somebody like that? How impossible to be dealing with somebody like that all the time. And Andy Circus's performance is just oh, mind-blowing. Yeah. He, <laughs> he's Gollum. He's yeah. Gollum. Mm-hmm. That's what, I think that's what we, we kind of all said when we did the did a Gollum episode or we did in the past, we've kind of said like he he's our he's Gollum for forever. Like I'll yeah. if they remake the films um or whatever, I'll he's it's always like gonna Gene be Wilder Gollum. is always Willy Wonka. Sorry, yeah. Johnny yeah. Depp. Sorry, uh Timothy Shalom. <laughs> You are no Gene Wilder. <laughs> it's like I do appreciate. You are no in man. The, you are no Gene Wilder. Yeah, <laughs> I do appreciate in the animated Hobbit movie how manic Gollum is. Yeah. I appreciate that it's different. Um, and it it obviously came before these yeah. films, but but yeah, it, it, the the film the the Peter Jackson film version is the definitive Gollum, pretty yeah. much. And yeah, and he's just he's um he's a heartbreaking character. He's mm-hmm. so difficult. Like he's not likable, you know, and he just nothing. <laughs> yeah. He's so. But I quote he, him constantly, yet he's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't we all? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he's, he's a, yeah. So I think to be ending 
with that and mm-hmm. with him really saying, okay, I'm going to take her, you know, she can do it. She can. Whatever yeah. he does. Yeah. How he's so twisted. And um, I guess I should just end with this one. I'm, one of the best things with Andy Circus, that performance, when the Rangers find him in the sacred pool Ooh. and he's like in a corner crying and comforting himself. And he's they're gaslighting just looking, himself. Yeah. Yeah. I told you he was Trixie. Yeah. It's <laughs> so disturbing. It was. And you can tell like they're looking like, what is this? Uh-huh. You know, and it was. Yeah. And they, he kind of scared them. And then Faramir, who is a man of honor, a man showing his worth, he was very cruel to him in the end. He didn't need to do what he did. Right. Yeah. He really didn't. And to him, he's just like, it's this weird thing that we found. You know, he doesn't see the 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 shreds of humanity that are left. Not in, at all. The Gala. only person who ever saw that was Frodo. On that light on that, note. On that <laughs> On that happy note. Yeah, we um, kind of ended this the way the, the, the film does. Yeah yeah. 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 Hang in there. Well, Sam makes Although we great do speech. have Sam's speech. Yes. The, um, yes. Hold the, on. Uh, there's some good in the world. And the, yeah. the, 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 the tales that really matter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that note, um, I think that's it for this episode of The Secrets of Middle Earth. We'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make this show possible, including Chow F., Kyle C, Molly N, James K, and Kenneth P. Their generous donations at sqpn.com help us to continue to create the secrets of Middle Earth and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them at sqpn.com slash give. Now we'd love to hear from you, our listeners. What do you think about the two towers? You can let us know on our Facebook page or on Twitter or by sending an email to MiddleEarth at sqpn.com by leaving us a comment on YouTube or by visiting our channel on the StarQuest Discord server at sqpn.com slash discord. And join us next time for our continuing discussion of the Silmarillion. And coming up next month as well, we will be having our second reading day special. So until then, thank you, Alex, for joining and sharing the secrets of Middle Earth. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. And Thomas, thank you as well. Thank you, Jeff. I really enjoyed it. And once again, I'm Jeff Hecker. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Middle Earth on StarQuest. another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. The Secrets of Technology. Find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash technology.